Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. For many, becoming part of the punk scene is a way to carve out your identity. For Rainier Pesebre, the screamer of hardcore band Negative Blast, growing up as an army-based kid in South San Diego was stifling and isolating. Add in mental health struggles and Rain, as his friends call him, faced considerable challenges finding creative outlets. Rain is of Filipino descent, and his family didn't talk much about mental health. They weren't very supportive of his interests. But, like to many that came before, the punk scene opened its doors to him. Soon, Rain was playing in punk bands and writing music to articulate his anger, frustration, and vulnerability. Sometimes purging tough emotions is a way to find lightness and peace. In Rain's case, being part of the punk scene made him who he is today. Hi, I'm Rainier Pesebre. My friends usually call me Rain. I've been involved in music and punk music going on 20 years. Started when I was 13. I was a nerdy kid growing up. Come from a military family. I'm second generation Filipino American. I definitely had a lot of cultural challenges growing up, especially with um, carving out a proper identity, so to speak. I was like a really nerdy kid, and so I'd play a lot of video games. My cousins were getting into skating when we were younger. I was about to get into skating while my cousins were getting into it at the same time, but I moved to Japan. I kind of had to divorce myself from the culture I grew up in, which is a very particular part of South San Diego uh, called Paradise Hills. Definitely a diverse place, and we grew up with a certain cultural understanding, not only of our own culture, but even in the sense of South San Diego, which a particular flavor to it. And so I moved to Japan as a kid and I got very heavily into video games. When you're on base, there's really not much to do. Luckily, it was safer than how it was in South San Diego. There were very much a lot of gang activity at the time of me growing up over there. My parents signed me up for martial arts. I had a bit of an, an anger problem growing up. 
And so it was kind of a way for them to sign me up into something uh, productive where I can express myself in different ways. Moving to Japan, I didn't really have that. I didn't really have that much of an outlet. So I would turn to video gaming. And then we ended up moving back to San Diego, South San Diego again. And even from that, it was kind of like a fish out of water situation because I had to get out of my head of understanding life in a certain way in Southern California. And when you're on base, you're essentially thrown into the mix with kids in spirit, I guess you could say like American, but a lot of them never even stepped foot on U.S. soil. They kind of just moved from base to base. And so they had this kind of idea of what it means to be American. And it threw me for a loop coming back to San Diego because I didn't know where I fit. I wasn't cool enough for the, the kids that grew up in Southern California. There's a certain type of swagger with a lot of the kids over, over here growing up. I just went further into social isolation. I got into punk music because Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 came out very recently. And I know for a lot of people of my generation and generations past, a lot of video game soundtracks were very formative for us. I liked melody. I grew up with melody. I would go to church a lot, but my family raised us to be Catholic. And so I would listen to a lot of the church music and stuff and just got a, a certain ear for appreciating melody. My parents would play like Simon and Garfunkel. They would play like the Carpenters. I didn't really like rock music until I discovered punk. I would hear stuff like Green Day and I would hear stuff like Bad Religion. And I'm like, well, this is a really cool type of aggressive style, but there's a, a little bit of melody, not just a little bit, but like there's very creative types of melodies like injected into that. So I got into punk in middle school, started hanging out with friends and we would trade CDs back when CDs were still a thing trade a bunch of music with each other. That's how I really got my start in this kind of styles. Some people have told me that they were drawn to punk rock, not just because of the music and because of the attitude, but they sensed some sort of a connection with the mental health struggles they were having. Mm -hmm. I think back to some of my favorite bands when I was growing up and now having been diagnosed with bipolar only a few years ago, I look back and say, wow, those bands were talking about things I was going through, and I was being drawn to that without really knowing that that's what it was about. What drew you to punk rock when you first heard it? I think it was the aggression about it, channeling this raw energy and turning it into a powerful statement. I grew up a pretty timid kid, and so hearing this kind of music talking about really intense stuff, even like Green Day Basket Case, he's just talking about his paranoia and just going crazy. As a kid who's searching for identity, there's always this struggle of really trying to define that and being able to associate with those kinds of voices and even knowing these are made by normal, everyday people trying to figure it out for themselves. Like that really rung a chord with me and it gave me an ability to realize and understand that these struggles are not uncommon and that it's okay to have like an avenue to be able to figure it out and voice it because not a lot of people have that kind of avenue. Like a lot of people are sort of stuck with themselves or they suffer through with silence. And to be able to even just have a means to be able to yell or flail around or dance or write or compose music and play it with other people, like it provides like such a foundation that I think 
people are very lucky to be able to discover. It is a discovery in many ways. Sometimes it hits you. Sometimes you're searching for it. Sometimes it hits when you least expect it. And even in the many movements and trajectories of how I was going about with like a lot of the bands and projects I've done over the years, a lot of things would happen where I wouldn't totally expect. And also the impulsiveness connected me to that because I am an impulsive person. I kind of just try to spend some time to assess risk and benefit or whatever. And when I'm tired of arguing with myself, I just say, let's just go for it and see what happens. Just shoot it out first and see what sticks. And that's kind of even the approach that we've done with our band now, Negative Blast. Even the name of the band Negative Blast has a connotation of using bleakness and negativity and turning it around on its head and saying, no, we're going to blast it out and we're going to make this our own empowerment, what a lot of punk bands have done. Yes, definitely. It's kind of funny because the name of Negative Blast is our bass player, Pat, came up with the name, but he meant for it to be uh, one of these days I just ate a burrito and I had to take a negative blast. And I'm like, that's sick. <laughs> In some ways with the lyrical content, it, it has be kind of fit into that role and it, it has provided this avenue to take like this raw, immediate feeling of, say, anger or negativity of some kind and just reimagine it or even transform it into something that can be a, a powerful statement and a way to process things that we don't normally allow ourselves to sit with on an everyday basis. Sometimes, even if we wanted to, in the busyness of our day, we just it just slips past. Sometimes those yeah. things just slip past and they accumulate in many ways. I think it was Bobby Bray, actually, from The Locust, another San Diego band, who talked about if he hadn't gone on the road and toured and played all these shows and screamed his head off every night, then what would he be when he came home? Mm -hmm. Where would that outlet be? Yes, I did experience a lot of challenges growing up, especially in terms of um, representation. I mean, when we were first starting out playing music and stuff, I remember talking even with my dad. We were driving to the movie theater and we were just having normal conversation. I was like 15 at the time. I mentioned to him, I said, hey, I found something that I really like. I think I want to play music for the rest of my life. And his reply was, is anyone actually going to really listen to an Asian guy in a band? That hit me pretty hard in the moment. I felt a sense of loss about, number one, whether my parent believes in me. And number two, how the outside world views someone like me. And I used it as fuel because I'm a defiant person. I like to test things. I like to test ideas and I like to question and I like to examine things. And so I actually asked myself that question. I said, would they? I don't know. But regardless, I don't care because I'm doing it for myself. This is my own way of expression. And I found something that I can not only feel like I'm deficient at, but also something I feel like I can continue to improve upon. So when a Filipino kid shows up at the punk show for the first time or comes and plays the first show, what is the reaction from the punk scene? I started showing up to a lot of house shows and sort of DIY type of shows happening in San Diego. And I was pleasantly surprised, I'll be very honest, because when I was growing up, I thought that rock music 
from how I was seeing it, like as a little brown kid growing up, I thought it was just a primarily like white kind of thing. Even growing up in San Diego, there was all this talk within our culture of being a coconut, right? Like being brown on the outside, but white on the inside. Even people who come from Philippines that make their way to the U.S. And a lot of the kids I, I grew up going to school with, they were taunted too. You know, they're being called like fresh off the boat and like there's no winning with that kind of thing. When I came to punk shows in, say, Chula Vista and National City, like I noticed that like a lot of the kids going to the shows were just like me from like immigrant families and they're just having fun. It was such a diverse scene and it had such a mix of different cultures and different socioeconomic classes, just various demographics that it, it made me feel welcome. It definitely made me feel welcome and it, I felt like I was a part of something. And I know a lot of people in a punk allude to that a lot as just being a part of something. So you mentioned how your dad was discouraging around you playing music. Yeah. And I'm wondering, was there talk about mental health? I know a lot of particular cultures aren't really comfortable really talking mm -hmm. about mental health. Yes. Yeah. So in my culture, in Filipino culture, there isn't too much talk of mental health or leveling with the people in your family. Philippines is a primarily Catholic country and a lot of those values definitely show and they manifest in different ways. There's not really much of an encouragement to talk about feelings. A lot of Filipino culture, at least with the relation from parents to the child, is, is very nurturing. It's seen as a protection, but it's also very detrimental in that parents don't always give their kids an opportunity or chance to explore a lot of dictating, like, do this, do that, a lot of disciplinary kind of interactions. And so when it comes to a younger person, like a younger Filipino growing up, like there, there's sort of like a shame involved with even having to open up or even wanting to open up that conversation, kind of like, ah, don't talk to me about any of that. You need to pray, right? <laughs> you need to just have it in you to get over it. Sometimes there are things that you can do in that way, but there are a lot of the time too, there's, it causes more harm than good, especially just sweeping things under and being open or availing ourselves to those really difficult kinds of conversations. A lot of the time there tends to be like a wall or like a divide, especially in the difference of parents growing up in another, not only another generation, but a totally different culture. And then you have their kids growing up with both generational differences, but also generational differences within the Filipino culture and generational differences with the American culture. And so there tends to be just a miscommunication or even just a lack thereof between the, the generations. And the punk scene for you sounds like it was an escape from family dynamics. If you needed some time away to feel like you were able to maybe breathe a little bit, that was where you would go is to punk shows? Exactly that. It would just be school, go home for a little bit, just got to work on my studies, and then I'm out with the friends. We would set up shows, we would practice, we would write. On the off time, we would just hang out and get California burritos. We would just practice our mosh moves until 3 a.m. in the <laughs> Denny's parking lot. It was fun. We would do nerdy things together. We would get into comic books. We would play video games online. It was just a bonding moment. It was a family dynamic. It was like a chosen family 
it was just difficult at the time too because you know everyone's figuring stuff out and of course you know with the growing pains of growing up and trying to understand who you are of course disagreements happen friendships end bands form bands break up sometimes the gossip cloud floats around for a little bit and those are natural things that i think are just being around people but in the earlier times of my teens and, and early 20s that was very crucial in a lot of people's lives and even just the sounds that we explored and the people we met along the way the places we were able to play as a result of just getting involved in this culture and community didn't know i would be able to see most of the places that i was able to experience through playing music playing in japan or like playing in mexico seeing the whole country driving seeing places that i've never been to and so it was sort of like an escape from the how mundane things seem to be just at home with a lot of disagreements in the family life disagreements between our parents and kids disagreements between siblings and it seemed to be a sanctuary a lot of folks get into punk rock when they're in their teens or even preteens mm-hmm. in some cases and they go to shows and they have a blast and they like what you said really spoke to me growing up and washing in the parking lot and being so stoked to go to shows. But a lot of those folks do phase out of the scene. And then there's folks like you and me who stay with it and keep going and keep doing shows and keep playing in bands and keep doing zines and don't really ever veer too far away, even with professional lives and kids and all those responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what you think it is about someone like you who has stuck with it, hasn't phased out. At this point, I see it as just a core portion or aspect of my identity to a point where it's sort of like filling up my gas tank or it's as normal to me as like (laughs) taking a shower or putting on my socks. It's something I need to do in the sense that there have been times where I felt like just stopping altogether and, and leaving music and for a while too, I, I took a couple of years and I ended up getting involved in a financial MLM and it was a reason to kind of get out of my head for a little bit. Those kinds of companies are wild. They're essentially like cults. And so I got out of it as soon as I could when I found my out to get out of it. And I found myself just keep coming back into music and just wanting to express myself and learn different ways of articulating what's happening in a way that that makes sense to me and can encapsulate a point in time. When I write music or when I write lyrics, I try to sync the feel of the emotion of the lyrical content with how the music makes me feel. And so when I write, for example, like with Negative Blast, I just listen to the instrumentals like over and over and over, and it makes me feel a certain way. And then I dig into my past experience to try to channel inspiration into writing something that the music makes me feel. And in that way, it allows for me to process things that I may not have had the attention span or I wasn't consciously aware of it, but to have a practice to be able to sit down and try to articulate whatever it is I'm feeling, whatever might be on my mind and just throw it at the wall and see what sticks. It's kind of like a mixture of solving a puzzle as well as making like a painting at the same time. Oh, I like that. 
And the lyrics are sometimes pretty harsh. That's mm-hmm. pretty standard for a lot of punk stuff, especially emotional hardcore. Yes. Because you're putting yourself out there. You're saying, here's my song. And then, of course, someone looks at the lyric sheet and is like, oh, whoa, Rain's saying this. <laughs> Maybe there's a disconnect that it's art, that you're being creative and that you're singing about this certain topic. You're mm-hmm. not just handing someone a dictation of who you are necessarily. You're creating something. Yes. It's funny in a way because, I mean, sometimes our minds have a way of like compartmentalizing we also have that in, in the sense of context of the personas that we tend to assume, like the way that you are at college and class is not the same way that you may be at your job. Over the years, just learning to voice certain things in a way that can be performative, at least when it comes to the stage or I guess when it comes to recording, but also very honest and vulnerable. And in a way that's kind of shown me that I can still manage to express myself in a way without really, I guess you could say, like destroying myself too much in the process. It's, it has to be a balance because there are so many times that I wanted to leave music because of how overwhelming or consuming some of the lyrical content would be other on a very personal level. With Negative Blast, these lyrics that I've written with the band so far have been some of the most vulnerable and honest that I've been I talked to the band about this I'm like dude I cuss a lot in this band (laughs) like every word is like a cuss word because I'm a hip-hop fan it's more of a compositional thing but within all of the way that it's expressed I'm just trying to bear and share what might be going on in the moment it's not an identity I assume 100% of the time it's something that I set aside so that when that time comes, I can just express myself in one of the ways I know best. And yelling is very therapeutic. (laughs) Hey, scream therapy. Yeah, definitely. It just feels good to push myself to a, a certain limit and see if I can break that limit eventually to make it to where I can continuously challenge myself, whether the lyrical content or playing these songs with the guys. In the Scream Therapy book, there's a lot of talk about where someone goes when they have a microphone in their hand, when they start screaming their heads off, the persona that they may assume, or where they go into that zone. And I'm wondering, when your microphone turns on and the band starts and you start your first scream, Mm -hmm. where do you go at that point? I have friends that they kind of like to yank my chain and they're always like, how are you feeling, man? Like, are you nervous? Or like, are you excited? And like, I don't have any feeling until like five minutes or a couple minutes before we start playing and as soon as it pops off i usually try to introduce the band like hey we're negative blast and then all of a sudden just this rush of just energy comes to my chest where it's like all right here it is it's right in front of you let it out and in a way i just let a certain part out of myself that just likes to explode and I catch it, I feel that it's starting to bubble, and then I latch onto it for as however long we're playing up there. In between songs and stuff, when kind of the energy comes down, I'm a very cordial person. Like I'm a courteous person, and I like to use my words to bring people together. In between the songs, I'm chill, and I'm liking talking to people and 
getting a feel for the energy of a room, no matter how big or small it is, because that's the whole point of playing is that we're making these strong statements with these sounds, these organized sounds. And the whole point is to bring people together into a, a mutual understanding of we might have been there before. We all might have been in a similar situation and this sort of shared bond keeps us together and it builds it and it moves it forward. So at the core of it, when the energy comes up, it feels like a darkness almost that's like waiting to exit. And afterwards, I breathe with it and connect with people after that statement has been made. The darkness that you mentioned, that makes a lot of sense to me. Feelings of depression or anxiety and then getting it out and mm -hmm. hopefully feeling more settled when it's done, even though it seems like you should be even more riled up. But in fact, it's a process of expelling and then resting with that. Expelling is, is such a word to use. It's funny too, because we've played some shows here and there in preparation for a record coming out. And there have been shows where at the end of our set, we've played our last note, our last chord, we rang it out. I felt such a lightness. There's such a lightness that came with that type of expression and just being connected with that feeling. I know at times with a lot of punk bands or hardcore bands, you always think, dang, how can they go out every night and do that thing? I've seen a lot of hardcore bands in the past for like the first song or first couple lines. And then after that, they're just like barely hanging on. And it's understandable <laughs> because it's such an expressive form of art and performance but just being able to sit with the emotion and to sit with whatever might have inspired the creation of the song and the energy backing up being able to perform the songs live for me it just brings me closer to understanding myself because healing takes a long time aspects of your upbringing or your past or any traumas that you have there is still going to be some residual feeling that needs to be processed and maybe that process will take my whole life. That was my conversation with Rainier Pesebre of Negative Blast, negativeblast.bandcamp.com. Big news over here in Scream Therapy land. The Scream Therapy book, Scream Therapy, A Punk Journey Through Mental Health, will be published this spring by Mansfield Press out of Toronto. The book features my story and the stories of others who use punk rock as a catalyst for mental health. To pre-order the book, go to screamtherapyhq.com book. I now have a Tee Public store where you can buy Scream Therapy merch. So head over to ScreamTherapyHQ.com, support the podcast, and get some fancy new duds. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well. Yeah.